Um, this morning, I do have uh, a word from Scripture I want to share with you. I'm going to go ahead and read our text for this morning, and then I'm going to kind of break this down a little bit later. So we're going to open up to the book of Mark. If you want to open in a Bible, you're welcome to. The, the, it'll also be behind me on the screen. Mark is in the New Testament, which is kind of in the back part of the Bible. Uh, it's after Matthew, and it's before Luke. It's one of the four Gospels that talks about Jesus' life. And so we're going to be in this series on Mark for a while now, uh, for the next few weeks. So I'm going to be reading from Mark uh, chapter 1, and I'm starting at verse 21. And, and keep in mind, this is like uh, what you could call a day in the life of Jesus. Mark structures this uh, by uh, kind of doing a sunrise to sunrise the next day. And so it's 24 hours and day of life of Jesus. And his really first full day of ministry is the way Mark tells this story. So they went to Capernaum. And this is Jesus and his first apostles he had called. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them not as one, or he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want from us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives order to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went up to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons because he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so they traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So this morning, I want to talk to you about what I call engagement and withdrawal. So engagement, being engaged, and then pulling back and withdrawing. This is a pattern in the life of Jesus that we see repeat itself over and over and over again in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is engaged, and then he withdraws. You know, as you think about Jesus, he was someone who was highly engaged with the world around him. He was highly engaged. He was not like hiding out in some, uh, you know, spiritual place praying all the time. Jesus was like in the world, engaging with real people and real problems. He was active. He was doing so much. Two weeks ago, we talked about how three things that Jesus really does over and over in Mark is that he formed community through calling these men and women to be his disciples and followers. 
we talked about how Jesus spent time among the crowds, and, and the crowds were full of just poor, suffering people who were going through so much, who needed so much from Jesus, and Jesus didn't avoid the crowds. He went out and spent time with them and was among the people, which I'm sure was overwhelming for him at times. And not only that, Jesus also spent time like going in many ways, to battle with the authorities. He didn't use the weapons like we do, but Jesus had battles with the authorities. He had a lot of conflict with them because of the way that they were treating people who he loved and cared about. Jesus was highly engaged with his community, with the people around him, with the world around him. He wasn't hiding out in kind of safe spaces all the time. He was out in the world doing his thing. He was deeply and highly engaged. Yet, Jesus also went to great lengths to withdraw, to pull away, to get away from everything, to withdraw to maybe safer spaces where he could unwind, he could have fun, he could relax, and he could be refreshed. He didn't, somehow Jesus didn't allow the world around him to crush him and to consume him. And I think it's this pattern that helped him to sustain him in his important work. He engaged, but he also withdrew. He was so intentional about getting away and withdrawing to these safer spaces for restoration and renewal. We see this life, rhythm in his life, engagement and withdrawal. For me, like, as a pastor, like, part of my job is to be, like, engaged, you know? Like, I'm with people a lot. I'm talking to people. I was sharing that a lot of folks here have shared a lot of, it's an honor when people invite me into things they're going through, and, and, and it, but it's hard because I care so much, you know, and I care about people, and we're all suffering, and, and so much is happening in our community. This year, just this month, there's so much that I've been dealing with as a pastor and as a person in my own life. Um, I've had a lot of challenging conversations with people. Um, our son turned two, uh, and he is just so much energy. He demands engagement. You know, if I don't pay attention to him, he will make sure I pay attention to him one way or another. Uh, there are so many people dealing with things. I've been walking with people in their journeys, and, and it's beautiful, and it's good, and I love it. But I felt at times, like, particularly as I've engaged with things going on in parts of the world, like, um, I know people who are from Palestine, and I care so deeply about their struggle. I know uh, folks who are, who are Jewish and the fears that they have. I, I know people who are impacted by police violence and all these things. And so it, it, it hits me hard, you know. It hits me hard what they're doing in Texas and vilifying and demonizing immigrants who are seeking a better life because I know and love so many immigrants. And, and being engaged with the world can be overwhelming at times. And sometimes it feels like the world is pressing in on me with like great force, and it can feel very overwhelming. And so like last weekend, I kind of love big snows because it forces us all to slow down. Laura was out of town for a few days, and it was just me and Kai at the house, and, and we were trapped inside most of the time, and it forced me to slow down and just to step back, and I wasn't on email or things. I was just having to be there with him, and, and I had a lot of time after he went to bed and during naps where I could just be by myself. One first night, I felt very lonely and just... The, the quiet of it all felt overwhelming to me. But then after a while, I just started to feel more peace in God's presence. This weekend, I got away to the gorge for a night with some men, and we, we talked about just like our feelings and different things and our past traumas, and it, it was a beautiful experience of, of restoration and renewal for me. I needed to withdraw. I need this rhythm of engagement and withdrawal in my own life, and I'm sure many of you all need it also. That text that I read for us this morning, you could call it a day in the life of Jesus. What Mark does here is he describes 24 hours 
in Jesus' life. And, and Mark portrays this as like the first thing he really does in his public ministry. And if you were following with what I was reading, like, he experienced a lot just in that first day. He, it, there was a lot going on. It was a very intense first day of his ministry. The day began on the morning of the Sabbath. And it ended the morning of the following day. So keep in mind this engagement and withdrawal as I talk about this. So Jesus and his disciples, they uh, often would hang out in kind of the more rural countryside areas. And Mark, the, the rural countryside areas are often portrayed more in a positive light. The people out kind of in the country were more receptive to Jesus. But when he went into the cities where they had more power and there were more people there who had more wealth and stuff, they often didn't like what Jesus had to say. And you see this tension in Mark where when he retreats out into the countryside, he's often more well-received. He's with his friends. He's resting. But when he goes into the towns and cities, he often faces conflict. When you read Mark, I want you all to pay attention to the location. Not just what happens, but where things happen in the gospel of Mark. The location is very, very important. And so remember, in Mark, these rural, wilderness, countryside areas are portrayed in a more positive light, the cities in a more negative light. And really, this is kind of an upside-down way of viewing our world, right? In our world today, it's like the cities are where the money and wealth and power, those are the important people are, and often these other parts of our world uh, are often forgotten and people look down upon them, but Mark kind of throws that on its head. So I want you to remember, when he goes into the cities, he often faces conflict, with the religious and political leaders. He's not like, not every single religious leader hated Jesus, but a lot of them did not like what he was offering. He was not well received. So right off the bat, on the Sabbath, Jesus goes into Capernaum and he goes into the synagogue. So Mark starts out in a religious space, all right? And in this religious space, the first thing that happens is he faces conflict. This like impure demonic spirit is like talking through this man and like comes at Jesus, basically, and it's immediate conflict right off the bat. It's interesting in this sacred space, at the sacred time of Sabbath, is when Jesus faces conflict. On his first day of ministry, it's in the religious space where he faces this conflict. I wonder how Jesus would be received in our religious spaces today if he came in. We might say to him, what do you want with us? Get out of here, Jesus. We know who you are, and we don't want what you're offering, you know? Because Jesus comes in with, with a challenge. And so he went into the synagogue. And this demonic spirit, it's a little confusing, but the, the spirit is communicating in a plural form. He's talking about us, not just him. And he's saying basically like, what do you want from us, Jesus? What do you want with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? And it seems what he's doing here is he's communicating kind of on behalf of these religious authorities who were overseeing this temple who were not treating people very well and had kind of let power go to their head. He's talking on behalf of these scribes that Jesus had so much conflict with throughout his ministry. Something about Jesus' teaching and his presence in that religious space was threatening to them. was threatening to them. And I have a, I have a feeling today if Jesus entered a lot of our religious spaces, we would feel threatened by Jesus' presence. And be like, I don't think I want that guy here. <laughs> Because he's going to challenge me and he's going to tell us the things that we probably aren't doing that, that are hurting people and not going in the right direction. And so it's interesting to me that the religious spaces are not welcoming of Jesus and his gospel message. The gospel, we talked about this, is good news to some, but it's terrifying to other people. Jesus then exercised the demon. He cast out this demon from this man. 
And after this, the popularity of Jesus just grew immediately. Because people were there on the Sabbath. The synagogue was full of folks, and they're like, who is this guy? Like, he just spoke to this man who was possessed, and he had authority. He wasn't even scared, and he cast out this demon. And so his popularity started to rise. They were amazed at what they saw. And as soon as his popularity rises, it's interesting what Jesus does. He leaves the synagogue immediately and just gets out of there. You know, like you'd think if my popularity starts to rise, it's like I kind of want to sit with this for a bit. Let's see what we can do here, you know. Like people are liking what I'm bringing here. But Jesus runs away from the popularity. And he withdrew to the home of Simon and Andrew. He was likely hoping, I imagine, going into their house to say, let's get away from this chaos and let's rest a little bit. Let's hang out because that's a lot going on out there at the synagogue. He had engaged in this conflict with these powerful people, and maybe he needed a breather. But when he got to the home of Simon and Andrew, immediately more demands are being placed on him. It's like he shows up, and they're like, hey, uh, my mother-in-law's sick, and she needs your help. Can you help her? And if that was me, I'd be like, really? I just did a lot. Can I just rest for a little bit? But Jesus is like, okay, let me see her. And he goes up, and he stays engaged, and he did something quite radical in the home. He healed this woman which was really a radical move. I want to just tell you why this was kind of radical, what he did with Simon's mother-in-law. First off, he touched Simon's mother-in-law, um, who, a woman he was not related to. Now, some would not have approved of a Jewish teacher uh, doing that during that time and place, but, but he, he saw her and he wanted to cast up this compassion and love to her, and so he touched her. And then the second thing he did is he healed her. Now, two things about this healing. First, this was a woman. Mark's first healing in in this book is a woman that was healed. In this highly patriarchal world where men had most, if not all, of the power, women were not highly valued, this would have been a radical act for Jesus' first healing to be healing this woman. It would have been a boundary-breaking and shocking kind of thing for him to do. The second thing is that he healed her on the Sabbath, uh, which was against the law. Um, It was in a private home, so maybe nobody knew about it. But Jesus broke the law on the very first day of ministry, so everybody who thinks like Jesus was just like, oh, I'm a good citizen, I do everything I'm told. No, Jesus was willing to push back on things that were unjust and not right. So his first healing was on the Sabbath, which shouldn't have been. And so Mark is alerting the reader right off the bat that Jesus is not going to play by the same rules as everybody else. We'll talk more about this later on in our series, but healings are not so much about like this display of supernatural power. I don't think it's like just showing that Jesus was this really powerful man. I think the healings were something else going on there. There were magicians and healers all throughout the ancient Near East, and and authorities probably wouldn't have been very angry that Jesus claimed to have healing power. I imagine that they maybe were angry at Jesus because his healings always broke boundaries. He was always reaching out to people that were pushed to the outside, and, and really, it upset the social uh, kind of hierarchy that had been developed during that time. And often the healings meant that these people who were ostracized could now enter fully back in to the community and have access to the things that lead to flourishing. And so the, these religious folks, some of them had set up these hierarchies that, that were enforced through these purity laws. And often the healings broke those laws and pushed against those boundaries that our world had set up. So back to the story, Jesus healed the mother-in-law, and after the healing took place, then things, maybe I would hope things would settle down a little bit, you could rest, but then it says that the entire town somehow found out he was in this house and had some kind of power to heal, and so they all started showing up to Simon's 
in Andrew's house. And they're probably like, what's going on? All these people are coming here and they're coming to the door wanting Jesus to have this healing experience with him. And so these people faced all sorts of illnesses and ailments that kept them separated from others. And Jesus took the time to heal them and he made them whole. He treated them not as social outcasts, but as people who had dignity and value and worth. The ill, uh, the sick were often poor. And, and, you know, they were not permitted to have access to the things that led to flourishing for everybody else. And, and as we know, even today, uh, the poor often face illness, and illness often makes people poor. And so when Jesus healed them of illness, it often meant that they could enter back fully into society and, and be able to have more flourishing and wholeness in their life. Jesus was tearing down these walls and hierarchies that upset the religious leaders and the political leaders. You know, it's interesting that these particular religious authorities were always so concerned about being contaminated by the poor and sick, when the reality that I see is they were the ones doing the contaminating. They were enforcing a way of life that led to suffering of so many people. It led to more sickness. It led to more pain. And Jesus came and witnessed to those and reached out to those in the margins. And through doing that, that kind of exposed those in power because they would prefer everybody just go along with their, their plan and their agenda, but Jesus broke rank, and he was willing to go outside of that and reach out to these that others said, no, you just need to leave them alone. But Jesus said, no, I'm not going to do that. And for that reason, Jesus was seen as a threat, the people he was willing to love. So after a full day of dealing with all this stuff, engaging so deeply with the world around him, Full day of breaking boundaries, loving the sick, reaching out to the outcast, teaching about this upside-down kingdom. I imagine Jesus went to sleep that night exhausted. Do you all ever go to sleep exhausted? And it's like you lay your head down and you're done. <laughs> you're out. Um, and and that, that happens to me. Last night I was pretty exhausted. Um, and, and Jesus was exhausted after a full day of engaging with the world. But then the next morning, he didn't sleep in. He said, I'm going to get up before dark. Before light, he got up, it was still dark outside, it says, and, and before everybody else, and he withdrew. He pulled away. He left the house. He retreated even further away to a solitary place to regain perspective, to refocus, to reconnect with his inner self and, and God um, in heaven, the Father in heaven. You know, when Jesus withdrew, he wasn't like turning on Netflix and numbing out with podcasts or indulging in overeating or drinking. He wasn't running away from his obligations, or he wasn't running, abandoning his mission. He was being very intentional to take this deep spiritual time with himself and with God. So much that he hiked a mountain, he had to get away from everybody because he needed that time so he could stay true to the calling that God had on his life. It was engagement and then the withdrawal. His disciples woke up and immediately started looking for Jesus. They woke up and they probably went to where he was sleeping like, where's he at? we got to find this guy. Like, you know, the popularity's going. we got to keep this going. And so they go searching for Jesus. They went out to find him. Do you see how he, why he had to get up before they did? He's like, i got to get away from these people because they're demanding so much of me. And so he actually snuck away, hiked up a mountain to get away from them. The demands of him were so strong. And his intentionality, the way he just, like, made it a priority to get away, it's so striking to me. If, if he kept a calendar, he probably put it in that calendar. He's like, time away in the morning. I'm going. Nobody's going to get on my schedule. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you, Jesus. And we can read between the lines here. Maybe they're saying, where have you been? Like, 
you called us to start this movement. The revolution is beginning. Come on. The people are coming. They want to follow what we're doing here. What are you doing? Let's get to work. You're popular now. And I love Jesus' response. He's like, actually, let's, let's just get out of here and go somewhere else. Let's get away from all this popularity and fame. And we're going to move on to the next place, the nearby villages, because I need to preach to those folks too. That's why I've come. And then the text tells us that he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, driving out demons. And throughout his ministry of transformation and setback and conflict and division and pressure and stress, he stayed engaged. He didn't let up. He stayed focused. He showed incredible courage and grit. He didn't back down. Yet he also consistently withdrew to the homes of friends, to the lake, to the wilderness, to the mountains, to be filled back up and to be restored and refreshed. And you see this pattern all throughout Mark. Just pay attention. Often when things get really big and heated or he gets real popular, Jesus just kind of slips away and, and, and gets that off by himself because he knew he needed that. He withdrew to safer spaces of quiet rest and renewal. I just want to ask you all to reflect on a few questions here as, as we end this message. And so I'll throw up the first set of questions. This is about engagement. You know, I think it, it, it's often hard to stay engaged in what's happening in our, in our community or, or certainly across the world because there's so little we can do to affect what's happening across the world. It's easy just to want to, like, shut our eyes and blind ourselves to what's happening. It's easy to pull away and just stick to ourselves and not reach out to our friends, not be around other people. It's easy to slip into patterns of not serving and volunteering and getting involved uh, with other folks. And so I want you all to think about your own life. How engaged are you with the world around you? And I'm not saying big world because we can't engage with the whole world. That's kind of impossible. But how are you engaged with your community, with the, the people that are in your life, with with your family even, with, um, with your church community, with the, the folks in your neighborhood, with those who are struggling? How engaged are you with the world around you? Another question you can consider is to what degree have you disengaged or checked out or maybe abandoned the things that you know you ought to be doing in your life? Because we all do that. And to what degree, maybe are you overly engaged? Maybe you swing the other direction and you're just doing too much. And you're constantly just trying to engage and do things and, and you're on the verge of burnout. Or maybe you're well past burnout and you're just operating on fumes. Maybe you've been focusing on the wrong things and you're just engaging in things that aren't really helpful to you or to anybody else. But think about your engagement because that's part of this. We, we can't just like turn a blind eye to what's going on around us. Like we are called to be in community. And, and my life impacts your all's life. Your all's life impacts mine. And the truth for every single person here. Like we are part of this community of belonging, connection in this world. And we can't forget that. Like we need to be engaged with one another and with our communities. And so think about that. And then the second set of questions is, is this like concerning withdrawal. Like. Are you intentionally taking time to withdraw and pull away and to spend meaningful time with God? Maybe meaningful time with your friends and family, if that's something that restores you. Maybe your family doesn't restore you and you need to withdraw from them in order to be restored. That's a real thing. Are you taking intentional time to spend meaningful time with yourself, to get to know yourself more, to reflect, to journal, to 
to, to do that inner work, maybe in therapy or, or whatever it may be. And then a, a practical question you can ask for this week is just what is one way you can practice this meaningful and life-giving withdrawal this week? As you go into your week, what is one way you can withdraw? Maybe you're feeling overwhelmed and busy and, and you have a family or whatever and you just got so many demands placed upon you. You may feel like Jesus, like everybody's asking of something of me. Like how are you going to be intentional and creative about putting that aside for a period of time so that you can withdraw and find time to do something that's going to restore you and build you up? Because we have to have this rhythm or it's not going to work in our lives. And, and so I... This has been so helpful to me um, as I started studying Mark a few years ago to use this model in my own life. Like, am I engaged? Am I present? Am I here in this moment with these people? And then also, am I taking time to pull away and shut it all out? And with technology and all this, like, we have a hard time doing this. Such a hard time. So I encourage you all to think about this this week. I think this leads to more life and, and goodness in, in, our, in our lives. And so I encourage you all to think about these questions. Um, if you didn't get a chance to to reflect on them too much, you can, uh, I can give them to you or you can, I'll post them in our Facebook group too uh, so you can have those for this week. But I encourage you all to be thinking about this engagement withdrawal. And maybe in some of your times of withdrawal this week when you're pulling away and you're, you're disconnecting, maybe that, that can be some of your moments to be mindful and praying for those here in this community and, and holding others in the light.